This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allows members to request future stories and themes. Thank you for listening. This podcast contains mature content and is intended for an adult audience only. It contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of all stories is fiction with any similarities to real people or events being purely coincidental. This podcast is not intended for anything but entertainment of the listener, and if you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. The Succubus is Silver by T. Silverwolf Chapter 01 Chinamani had set up her pizza stand within little spitting distance of the social services building for a reason. The air was thick with that sanguine tang of loneliness, desperation and heartache that followed humans around when they felt they had no agency in their lives. Greed and despair languished around the place like a swamp from which she drank deeply. Through whatever twist of fate had created the half-succubus aside from her father's penchant for putting his dick in things he probably shouldn't have she'd been robbed of the ability to actually steal the emotions she didn't inspire in someone, but she still could drink in from the ambient sensations to sustain her glamour. It was unsatisfying and ultimately pretty futile she'd need to satisfy herself in some other way eventually. In her little world of food, she was a glutton eating at the dodgiest of Chinese buffets. But maintaining her glamour was hard, it took energy and effort, so every once in a while she'd pull on the fishing line tied to the bike rack opposite her stand and trip someone up. She'd put on the air of trying to help them up, of course, but the closeness allowed her that moment to steal a bit of someone's anger and embarrassment. It was enough to keep her going for a few hours and they wouldn't remember what upset them in the first place after she was done. It was a small mercy, maybe. Oh yes, she was a parasite but at least she wasn't the dumb bitch approaching Chinamani's cart with demonic silver in her hand. Chinamani looked up to the woman as she approached, already dreading what was going to come out of those Botox-filled lips. She was pushing fifty with a bulldozer duct tape to a jet engine, pale, gaunt, utterly incensed like everyone around her was in the way of her grand ideas. She was just the kind of person who'd carry around Chinamani's coin. The moment her coin got close, the half-succubus felt her legs lock up she wouldn't be able to move until a deal was reached or the current holder willingly walked away. This woman didn't look the type who'd do something without a purpose, though. She wasn't going to leave unless it looked like there wasn't something Chinmani could do for her. The half-succubus sighed and drew up to her full height. The massive .454 revolver knocked her ribs plaintively as she adjusted her coat to hide its girth. The vacation was over, it seemed. She did her best to remain inscrutable, even putting on an easygoing smile that probably looked friendly enough to anyone stupid enough to take her at face value. The old woman glanced around nervously under the shade of her hundred-dollar shawl like someone might figure out what she was doing. Almost like she was proving a point to someone, she tapped the coin on the counter twice. So it's true? Chinamani held her smile as she fished out an ice cube from her cooler and munched on it. Your dime, your time. What's a? Great, she'd been practicing this crap for weeks when she felt the druggie had given off her coin. Weeks. Now when the time came to meet her new client, she couldn't come up with a rhyme. Good job, brain. She planted her hands on the counter and leaned. Well? I expected you'd be. Just briefly the woman looked admonished. Taller, I guess. I get that a lot, yeah? So I'm guessing the person you got that from told you some song and dance about a big spooky demon or something, right? Chinamani wiggled her fingers mystically. W-O-S-B-O-K. The woman fidgeted listlessly. She looked like she was about to turn away. Chinamani put a check in the not-my-problem box and went for another ice cube. The longer she could put off dealing with this shit, the more vacation she could have. She didn't. He said you could solve problems. Chinamani stopped crunching her eyes for a moment. Problems were always a red flag. Did he explain how this works? She asked tonelessly. Um, dash. You lay out your problem. I decide if I'm going to accept it. Yeah, I know. You have the coin, but I write the rules so bite me and if I do take the gig, I decide what's going to come of it. You can't stop this once it's in motion. Chinamani smiled at the uneasy look she got. 
I'm a natural arbiter. Everything's kept completely fair for all parties involved. This would have been the moment to walk away, to leave all this silly nonsense behind and go live one's life and deal with one's problems the right way. It was an obligation, part of the stupid compulsion that linked Chinamani to the coin her own way of injecting some humanity in the deal with the devil trope. To her credit, the older woman looked like she was keenly aware of that fact. But in the end she still tapped the coin on the counter again. I get it. Okay. So let's hear it. The woman's gaze trailed off to the side for a moment. When she spoke her voice was hollow and rehearsed but the flame under it, the venom and anger in her metaphysical aura swelled. Chinamani had to fight the urge to reach for it and try to make it hers. She couldn't take what she didn't inspire in someone. Besides, it wasn't really her place to derive pleasure from someone's misfortune. If they came to her, she was obligated to listen. My husband. The woman began as Chinamani grabbed another ice cube. It had started with the male woman at his firm. I get it I'm getting older and he has wandering eyes, but then he took my father's Mercedes. He thinks that he's going to keep it through the divorce, but oh, but he can't. That belonged to my father. He can't marry her while we're still together, and I'm not giving him ten years of my life and my father's car. There was anger in her eyes, in her aura too, but it wasn't right. Something was off here. Normally when someone was upset with a lover, it was a deep and abiding anger with that tangy hint of jealousy and smooth finish of a deep betrayal the likes of which usually left someone's aura a craggy mess of colors and senses. But there was none of that with her, just a kind of fragmented patchwork of disjointed emotions that had little relation to one another. Maybe she's born with it, maybe it's psychosis. Mentioning the car made some of the muddier parts of her aura brighten in intensity to the point where Chinamani was ready to say this whole thing had more to do with the car than her shitty marriage. How boring. Still, she went along with it. So what is it you expect me to do exactly? The woman frowned in consideration. He took the car when he moved out. I don't know, but I have to think he's thinking it up with that little harlot. As an afterthought she added, He's trying to cut me out of our accounts too. He's berating me and fighting me every step of the way. He's made it clear he wanted a clean break but he's leaving me with no choice but to well, to be here. If you're in the habit of asking for help from street food vendors and want someone to just get the thing back from him, maybe ask Crazy Ray he sells hot dogs and stuff on James Street. Ex-Navy SEAL, great guy. She wasn't impressed. Chinamani sighed theatrically and made a dismissive motion. She planted her elbow on the pan rack, taking her chin in her hand as she looked the woman over. It was always better to be completely honest and blunt when dealing with a demon, paradoxically enough and someone, somewhere had informed this new client of that fact. Even if she didn't really adhere to the idea, the fact that Chinamani didn't have to dig this crap out of her was a refreshing change of pace. That was probably a bad sign but it was too late, she already knew she was going to accept this case even without the power of the coin needling her into complying. So you understand, this only happens once. You get one shot at it, and there's no takebacks. If you don't like the outcome that's not my fault or my problem. Chinamani plucked another ice cube to munch on. I'm going to need a name and an address where I can find this guy. Why you'll get him to stop calling and to return the car? The half-succubus looked at her like she was stupid, then smiled easily. Pretty sure I'm up for a good seminarian award if I did, huh? The darker parts of her nature fluttered and she felt her soul wrench against them. The constant desire to take, to destroy and maim filled her mind with all kinds of ways she could permanently fix this couple's issue. An image of the older woman choked blue by her shawl forced her to stand a little straighter, to meet her client head-on. Like I said, nothing's promised or guaranteed. Except selling my soul. The woman said coolly. Let's be honest, I mean real honest. If you thought this was your actual soul on the line here you wouldn't be coming to me. I mean demons? Really? Who believes in that silly shit? This is a transaction, just two free people doing business. That seemed to mollify the woman for the moment, she eyed the tarnished silver coin in her hand and turned it over a few times, rubbing at the face of some Roman guy Chinamani had never bothered to learn about. She looked as morose and thoughtful as the face on the coin and for just a split second it seemed as though she might do the sensible thing and give it back to its owner. The prospect faintly scared Chinamani, the last time someone had done that, the damned coin had forced her into a 600 mile road trip looking for someone anyone to take the fucking thing and give her something to do. But just like that the moment passed, and the old woman handed it back to her. 
A faint thrill roiled through Chinamani like icy fire as the metal touched her skin, and it linked itself to her once more sweet agony and ecstasy rolled into one. A thousand images of the various people she'd helped with it ran through her mind in the span of an instant. Each face and name scribed itself across her soul and in that brief moment she felt more human than she ever had in her short thirty-year life. Normal. Natural. At ease with the world and herself. The staggering high lasted only a second before the client opened her mouth with a pearl of wisdom. If you go into a church, you'll still burn. Chinamani blinked away the sensation and tucked the coin into her jeans. Sorry, what? She looked irritated at having to repeat herself. I said, if you do an internet search, you'll learn. About what? Are you even paying attention? She exclaimed. She tugged on her shawl and leaned in, whispering. Mark Gonzalez. Gonzalez and Friar Law Firm. You can find them online easily enough. Oh, right. Chinamani wiped her blonde and brown mane back. Sure. So I'll just show up at his law firm and steal the car you know what. I just might. She offered her hand with a sly, pernicious grin. What a way to begin a job. This is compulsory, by the way. The woman hesitated one final time, at least enough to say that she did, and then she took Chinamani's hand. A heat sealed their flesh for one brief instant and a flood of recent memories and thoughts burst through the half-succubus's vision. The drive here in a red corvette, skipping out on putting money in the meter, looking on a short woman with deeply tanned skin and a shock of blonde hair with brown lights. Wondering how in the hell it could be her. Then fumbling for the coin with sweaty fingers and that unnatural taint that had been part of her life since the druggie had given it to her. And a name, Janet Gonzalez. Chinamani smiled when Janet flinched back, looking at her palm and the new circle brand that had woven itself into her skin. They shared a look before Chinamani drew back her own hand to show it unmarred. For added effect, she wiggled her fingers. No going back now. Some part of her was saddened by the rundown woman, that her choices lead her to this and that in the end she may well have screwed herself to get what she was after. Chinamani wasn't sure what happened to people who took her coin once they died, she didn't have any of her mother's ability to corrupt people or take their souls or any of that textbook demonic shit. All she had was a damned coin that forced her to get people to agree to let her help them with their problems. Well, there were the other things. The wings that wouldn't let her fly, the tail always rubbing against her belt line, and the regal horns that swept forward from just over her ears thankfully hidden under her glamour. A coin and a bunch of things she had to hide from people. Some demon. I'll find you in a few days, if you don't hear from me before then, just wait longer. Janet was too busy staring at her brand to do more than mumble a vague acknowledgement. That's normal, I promise. It keeps us connected and it keeps me from running away much as I might want to. Chindamani rolled her eyes. Look, it's fine. Really? I dash. Janet glanced around. I need to go. Just dash. She hesitated momentarily. Just don't go into a synagogue, temple, shrine, or church until we're done, yeah? Something about holy ground makes me really itchy and I don't like being itchy. It's distracting. Okay? Uh, why, yeah? All right then, but by now. Chinamani looked at her cart and briefly considered leaving it there, oven and all, but then she'd have to answer a court summons again and risk having her food service permit revoked. And lose out on one of the best feeding spots in the city. She groaned petulantly before she started breaking things down. She was halfway done scraping cheese off the last screen when a woman cleared her throat behind her. Sorry, I'm packing up for the day. That's fine, got your permits? The voice was like satin warm, and smooth and liltingly feminine while also carrying an authoritative edge. Intrigued, Chinamani looked back. She almost wished she hadn't good heavenly shit she wished she hadn't. The woman was a cop, slender but tall and robust with pleasant curves hiding under a crisp uniform. And there was that belt, the one ringed with all her gear that made her hips so holdable. That face, those angles vaguely Norse or Swedish, maybe. Coppery hair and vibrant blue eyes. Chinamani actually gaped as she looked up to the officer. Holy shit. The half-succubus breathed. Is that a no? The beauty Laidlaw, by her nameplate said. Laidlaw? Like the garbage company? Chinamani tittered. That only seemed to baffle the redhead as she scrunched her eyebrows, her left hand falling idly to her sidearm. You got a reason for the iron too? She was a lefty too. Someone in hell was getting ice water and a hand job. Chinamani was certain. At some point her coat had slid back to reveal the butt of the pistol but Chinamani had been too busy gawking to realize. Um dash. She coughed. 
She'd done the song and dance before. She needed to get a hold of herself, even when every instinct in her screamed fuck, kill, or destroy. Getting shot wasn't going to help her do any of those things. Carefully she laid her hands on the countertop and leaned forward. Sorry, I might have a weakness for tall, beautiful women in uniform. That's nice, but what's with the gun? All business. Fuck, could she get any more perfect? So I have a permit for that too. It's in my card here mind if I get it out? Sure. Laidlaw said idly. Her eyes followed that hand every inch of the way until Chinamani laid out her documents. The vendor's license, the food service license, the concealed carry and legal registration. All up to date and perfectly legit. For 54 Castle? Expecting to get robbed by Godzilla? The officer glanced at her briefly as she rifled through the paperwork. Bit of a big gun, don't you think? Who even thought it was a good idea to sign off on this? I like to make a lasting impression and I had people that owed me favors. Chinamani clasped her hands together, leaning over the counter to look up just over her carry permit, to meet those beautiful eyes. If she'd had any of her mother's ability she'd simply have charmed the officer, instead she had to work it like everyone else. Maybe I can make an impression on you too. She punctuated her offer with a vague doe-eyed look. It was earning her no points. You just might. She folded up the documents and handed them back. Mind if I have a look around? If I could get you to open up anything I have and explore it, I think I'd be doing a service to mankind. Chinamani stepped aside, offering unfettered access while situating herself in the best position to observe Laidlaw's investigation and her firm curves. The woman was thorough and precise, she went through every drawer, all the condiment bottles, even the dough trays searching for whatever she thought she'd find. Chinamani reveled in the visage, indulging in the subtle turn of Laidlaw's body when she'd have to duck low to poke her head in the cabinet to feel around for hidden compartments. In the back of her mind, she imagined the way Laidlaw would have looked twisted between her thighs, how her hair would be splayed out in a messy halo of fire on a sweaty pillow as Chinamani pressed her further and further. Laidlaw would thrust a hand out to stop her or encourage her of course, and Chinamani would keep riding. Harder and faster, massaging lip to lip while she pinned the taller woman down and forced her to cry out her name. Oh yes, the way her back would arch and contort to the sound of. Cinnamon! Hey! Cinnamon blinked. Huh! The officer was holding a baggie of flour. Oh, that's flour. So if I open this, you'd best be making a pie. Or letting me make one out of you. She smiled teasingly. The officer gave her a disapproving look as she set the bag down and went back to her searching. By the time she'd finished searching the cart and the cheap station wagon Chinamani used to haul it around, the half-succubus had memorized every line and curve leading down from that slender neckline to her appreciable chest even if the body armor got in the way to the powerful outline of her thighs and feet. She'd mentally mapped out the hours and hours of pleasure she'd inflict upon the woman and all the things she'd pull from that lilting purr. Laidlaw didn't seem to realize it entirely, but there was a caution in her manner that wasn't there before, some quiet instinct that only ever belonged to the hyper-aware, something that had probably warned her of Chinamani. So you're not selling drugs? Chinamani scoffed. If I had it in me I'd help them, but I can't stop people from destroying themselves. I've tried. Laidlaw considered the shorter woman anew, then produced a notepad so she could scribble down her findings. Chinamani almost reached out to touch her, half to feel her skin and half to show her how honest she was being. But she didn't have the coin, Laidlaw wouldn't have received anything and in the end all Chinamani would wind up doing was looking weird. Just great. Who the hell dealt drugs to poor people anyway? Then it clicked. Oh you saw me shaking that woman's hand and she didn't buy anything, so you figured I was probably up to no good. Had there been a cop car parked somewhere nearby? Just the SUV that always seemed to hang out near the bar. But that was. That was it. Directly across from where Chinamani set up. Ah. I get it now. She smiled. So this is our fated rendezvous. You and your bright white Tacoma and me. A humble pizza maker it's destiny. You don't need to hide your curiosity from me any longer. Laidlaw tucked her notebook away. Maybe you're dipping into your own stash. She said half playful. Turn around I'm going to frisk you. Part of me wants to ask if you brought flowers and candy to this affair. But I think. She trailed off when the officer's hands fell to her shoulders. Firm, professional, determined to get to the bottom of this. Do you have anything that's going to poke me? Anything I need to worry about? I'd love nothing more than to poke you. Chindamani thought. Nope. She pulled her glamour in tighter around her body, 
painfully compressing her wings into her flesh and her tail around her thigh. She shuddered with the effort and pain even as she smiled back. Can I ask what those chevrons on your arm mean? They mean I'm a watch sergeant, she said coolly as her hands ruffled down the oversized jacket. She pulled out the pockets, felt along Chinamani's body under it. Chinamani held her breath, hoping to hell her wings didn't chose that time to extrude from her skin. Sergeant Laidlaw. Got a card? I don't. She lied without hesitation. Smart girl. When she was done patting Chinamani down she stepped back and removed her shooter's gloves. So what was it you handed her? Chinamani tried to suppress the itching along her back and thigh as the unnatural appendages fought her to break free. She produced the tarnished coin and set it down. I collect ancient artifacts from the Mediterranean. She was a private broker. Laidlaw frowned at the coin, peering over it while the itching on Chinamani's back turned into a raging inferno. She could feel her skin blistering while the cop fingered the piece of silver. Mediterranean, huh? Yeah. Chinamani breathed harshly, grinding her heel into the concrete. This woman needed to go. Rome controlled most of the known world at the time. Lovely stuff. But uh, I got an appointment, so... Sergeant Laidlaw eyed her suspiciously. You all right there? Yeah, I just... Left the stove on at home, had to meet with the supplier. Had to piss. Gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah? All right, well, I'll let you get on your way then. Thanks for your cooperation. And my pleasure. As the sergeant turned to leave, Chinamani grabbed her coin and the tote of pizza screens, practically diving into her car. She packed herself into the cargo area as best she could, face down and let loose. It was agony. Fire and pain and ecstasy with the cold chill of a malevolent force trying to assert itself over her while her wings disentangled themselves from her flesh. In the next instant they burst through the holes in her t-shirt and slammed into her jacket ineffectually. Her tail wasn't any kinder as it tore at her pant leg, juking and prodding, trying to find an escape all of them wanted to stretch and be free. But they were trapped in place, just like she was from the monumental soreness that left her dead weight between the tote and bags containing her worldly possessions. She lay there, limp and spent, shuddering as she fought to reclaim her breath. Eventually, when the worst of it passed, she climbed over the rear seat and did her best noodle impression over the center column, digging her cell phone out of the glove box to dial an old friend. It picked up on the fourth ring. You. Brian's voice was raspy and weak. He hadn't been eating again. Why, yeah? He hey. Meet you at Denny's in an hour? I got a job. I'm buying. Brian hung up without another word. Just as well, really. My kingdom for a spatula. Hashtag. Twenty minutes later she was camped out in a booth near the front door stealing wireless and power while she rifled through what she could find of the Gonzalez's public life on the internet. Two things immediately stuck out amidst the slapped-on smiles and photoshopped pictures of their vacations to Europe. They never really smiled and they never seemed to really hold one another. It wasn't for lack of trying, but somehow things never looked natural between them. Janet was always a little too distant, and Mark always had his eyes on something else. For someone as handsome as he was, it wasn't hard to imagine he was probably getting eyed like a piece of meat by some of the locals. Chinamani wouldn't have thought twice about trying to straighten his gaze out right up at her from between her thighs. Gah. Damn it, she knew better than this. You didn't get ahead by screwing around with those you're supposed to be investigating. The stupid coin wouldn't leave her be until she solved this problem and had the coin back in Janet's hand, then it was on her to find someone to pass it on to and Chinamani could be free to enjoy herself for a while. Complicating things by boffing the victim of her yet-to-be-perpetrated shenanigans was not conducive to her getting some quality Chinamani time. Sure, the strong jaw and rich black hair were nice and the way his brown eyes seemed to catch the light when he was looking up made him seem like he was gazing into some secret word. But he wasn't worth worrying about. Sergeant Laidlaw on the other hand. She was a catch. One Chinamani would have to find good bait and a strong pole for. She had an infatuation, she didn't need another. She just needed to focus on the job at hand. The half-succubus slumped forward over her notepad chin on the crook of her arm as she ran her pencil down the legal pad she'd marked up. So far she'd learned that he held property in San Diego, New York and abroad, he made more than most doctors did, and had an obsession with automobiles. She tracked his profile down several web forums discussing early and mid-century German luxury vehicles and filled her mind with all kinds of pictures of people's overpriced steel, and their inane dick measuring posts or sycophantic ramblings. It wasn't any worse than some of the porn forums she frequented, but it still baffled her.
who lusted after something that could be molded and shaped to suit. People had diversity and random chance to make them interesting and unique. The draw of the genetic lottery gave humanity things like heterochromia, or red hair, or scoliosis. Not everyone would win that lottery, sure, but it was the diversity that made them beautiful and engrossing. Add to that, you could feel them and kiss them, and hold them as they thrashed. In the end the only thing you got out of lusting after a car was a smear on the clear coat and a friction burn. Shinamani tapped her pencil a few times. Cars, money, property and a shitty marriage. Mark worked for everything he got. Janet had been along for the ride it seemed she hadn't made any posts about buying new houses or going somewhere interesting. All in all, it seemed like she was there for the promise of steady money and not having to work for it. Lazy bitch wasn't just entitled, she considered earning her way being on her back. How boring. It was possible they'd been in love at some point, of course. Social media posts didn't really explain all of a situation. Brian was there for the gaps. Wherever the hell he was. Impatient, Shinamani dialed his number again. His cell phone chimed in the booth right behind her. Are you fucking kidding me? She looked back. He seemed startled by that, and he shrunk into his oversized field jacket, cataract eyes darting left and right. I'm right here, Brian. She said as she rose to join his booth. You could have said something, damn it. The boy couldn't have been more than twenty, but he wore his youth like a noose. He stayed huddled in his army coat, clutching his elbows until he was sure there was no threat. When his milky eyes settled on her he relaxed and smiled half-heartedly, speaking in his wispy rasp. You hide well. Kind of have to, you know? She shrugged her shoulders to accent her wings which tried to push against her jacket in turn. She leaned back against them for sheer spite. No stick today? I warned you, people aren't going to take you as being blind if they don't see the stick. He sighed. Street sign. Not now. Please, not now. Chindamani mused. If he went into one of his stupid insights she'd lose him for who knew how long. Hey, I have a case and you need food. Help me find this guy and I'll get you sorted out for the next month. Brian gripped the sleeve of his coat, eyes closing for a moment as he tried to wrestle focus. Gone. Zolas? From San Isidro? No, Janet. Married Idaho. Yeah, I got all that. She took his hand gently and tried to imagine pouring what she knew about the situation into him directly. Even if it didn't work, he wrapped his hand around hers and for that little moment, it was okay. They could be weird together. I need to know where he's hiding out now. Thought cartel. Brian Dash. Do you want to know how you die? His eyes shot open. No. No, I do not. Look, Brian. Can you try? Please? Focus? Mark Gonzalez works with a law firm downtown. I need to know where he stays. She gave him the address of the firm. What do you? Lying. Both of them. He cut her off. Why run, but you left? Key. Key in the lilacs. Abruptly he slapped his hand down on the table loud enough to get some attention from the patrons around them. Shinamani waved it off with a practiced smile. Thirty days. Divorce. Right. Right, Brian. A divorce. Where's he hiding the car? Outside. Duh. She scoffed. No shit, smartass. But where is outside relative to him? Right now. Outside. He repeated. Shinamani sat back, frowning. She still scribbled his ramblings down until it was done, even managing to order breakfast for them in the between time. When he was finally done and nothing of value was learned, she lightly kicked his shin. Costing me a fortune in food here, Boyle. I could go down the street and get anal for this you're not even offering me a kiss. The young man scooped up his fork as if nothing had happened at all, digging in with vigor. Can't control a dash. He muttered around a mouthful. I know. She looked at the pad, frowning. I just don't like Denny's. You've eaten worse. How dare you speak about your mother in such a way? He snorted and coughed. My mother's a saint. He managed around a laugh. After breakfast Chinamani handed him her day's earnings and headed out. It wasn't much, but it had offset some of the cost of his medications. Say hi to her for me. She'd have to get back downtown before the firm opened at twelve, then it was just a matter of waiting. Great. Stakeouts. Hashtag. The offices of Gonzalez and Fryer were perched at the edge of Clinton Square near Syracuse's downtown district. It was probably the oldest part of the city, with a foot in its turn of the century roots before that part of the Erie Canal was filled in. 
Objectively it was a block's worth of grass, pavement, and a big fountain that was turned into a skating rink in winter, but in the two centuries it had been part of the city it had served as the city's core, serving as a natural commercial district where railroad and shipping lanes intersected. In its time it had seen the development of Syracuse's first bank one that still stood today, post office, roads, it had even hosted the first electric light in the region. Nowadays it was used mostly outdoors events, playing kids, and a very bored half-demon. Chinamani had stowed her gun in the car no sense and risking getting caught using the four-and-a-half-pound monster for something her permit didn't allow. Technically it was only supposed to be carried when she was working, but she'd probably have been cleaning it instead of sitting there like a jackass. Chinamani made do as she so often did in these situations, though she managed to avoid public masturbation by sheer force of will. It was a perfect excuse to be lazy, even if it drove her mad. Not that there was anything particularly wrong with being lazy, Mount Everest had plenty of corpses that had once been highly motivated people, but it still itched at her as she watched the Gonzales and Friar windows from behind her sunglasses. Since arriving she'd plowed through all her audiobooks on four-speed playback, scarfed all her snacks more out of boredom than hunger, and had answered three different cops' questions about why she was hanging out here all day. Any sane world would have called it dedication, but she knew it for the insanity it really was. It was hostage-taking of a biblical sort. The moment she'd convinced herself it was the right path to take, the coin's magic would have started working on her subconsciously and any attempts to deviate from that would send her into a fit of itching until she resettled herself. It was the literal embodiment of having someone look over your damn shoulder and make sure you were playing nice. She'd fought with it enough times to know when to settle into being comfortable and when it was okay to push boundaries. Of course the damn thing didn't care about her bodily needs one bit. Getting food or going to the bathroom was apparently considered optional to whatever magic bound her something that hadn't occurred to her until about hour four into her vigil. Three hours on from that Chinamani was pretty sure her bladder was going to pull an alien and burst out of her. It figured, come from literal demonic heritage and still get saddled with all the baggage of having to eat but none of the cool powers that probably should have come with the wings and tail. Left with no options, she did the only thing she could do, browse the internet on her phone to distract herself. It didn't take long before she was digging through social media for a certain police officer. Surprisingly she did have a profile, unsurprisingly it was apparently maintained by someone else the big reveal started with the bold relationship status, single and ready to mingle, in red text. The page itself was full of images taken by someone else, usually from a distance. All the usual suspects made an appearance spending time with family, hanging out with cats in that same house and getting scratched by one. Please don't let her be a crazy cat lady. But the further down the page she went, the more interesting things got. Sergeant Amy Laidlaw was apparently heavy into three-gun competition. Whoever had set up the profile had clearly been downplaying it after all what kind of romantic prospect would be interested in that, right? But a few pictures had trophies with rifle, shotgun, and pistols on them. Below them and far more numerous were pictures of elaborate meals with captions like Amy's four-course surprise! It was a snapshot of someone's life seen from the outside, from someone who was trying desperately to bring something missing into a friend or family member's life. Maybe it was because she herself didn't go looking for it, maybe she didn't care, maybe she had social anxiety issues. Maybe, just maybe she didn't want to be saved. Chinamani smiled at that thought. Then she found it. The picture that'd be saved to that special directory on Chinamani's phone for private time Amy clad in a maroon dress that played nicely with her tumbling locks of copper fire, and naughty with her fair skin and long legs. She was leaning back against a concrete planter looking to the side with an expression that read I don't want to be here but the dress screamed fuck me crippled. Chinamani bit her lower lip as a flurry of images roiled through her mind like a tempest. Her heart sped up to try and keep pace but it was pointless. In that moment there was only the image of Amy in that short dress wrapped around her, clenching her tightly digging her nails into the succubus's back, dangerously close to her wings, risking finding out and... A young boy piped up from behind. She's pretty. Chinamani startled and whirled. The kid couldn't have been more than ten. His parents were some distance away tapping into their phone and here he was peeking over strangers' shoulders? Hmph. Well, there was one way to make sure that never happened again. She dropped her glamour. Out came the horns, she let her canines elongate, and surged forward right in his face before he'd fully registered what he was seeing. Anyone ever tell you it's rude to eavesdrop? The look of pure terror was instant and beautiful, pure in those ways only children could manage. She claimed it for everything she could get, sapping the fear from him even as he ran back to his folks crying. 
Serve the little shit right, even if he wouldn't remember where he'd gone or what he'd done by the time he got there. It was petty, she knew it was, but it wasn't like it was a common occurrence or anything. Not since the incident. Sure, she'd scared a room full of children and accidentally triggered an asthma attack, but on the bright side, she'd never gotten bothered about babysitting a neighbor's kid again. Rough with the smooth and all. A faint twinge of guilt rippled through her as she flipped through the remainder of the social media stream. Some vague part of her wanted to get up and apologize for what she'd done, but before she could even consider it, her target left his office with a blonde woman. He was tall and well-built, a bit more confident and powerful-looking than he'd been in the pictures she'd found of him. With some distinguished graying at the temples and the power stride of a successful lawyer, he looked like he was only a stone's throw away from taking over Syracuse itself. The blonde didn't look bad for arm candy, either little taller than Chinamani was with a plain skirt and blouse that said, I'm just the hired help. They were chatting and laughing about something, strolling down along to the opposite side of the street. Chinamani got up to follow and almost immediately wished she hadn't as the day's fluid intake suddenly punched its way down, forcing her to brace against her own knees and breathe deep. Stupid fucking coin. Or karma. It was probably karma. Sorry, kid. She shouted at the boy. He ignored her, of course, and her stomach situation didn't improve as she followed them deeper downtown to a parking garage a few blocks away. The smart thing to do would have been to rush back to her car and keep up with them, but in her infinite wisdom, she'd parked her car near the federal building about a block and a half in the opposite direction. She'd assumed he'd just parked near the damn firm, but apparently he didn't mind going the distance to keep his investment safe. Chinamani filed that away as she navigated the streets, dodging panhandlers and the people who were studiously ignoring her anyway. She feigned an interest in her phone right up to the point where the secretary left the garage in a blue Civic. She took pictures and video of the car as it departed and waited. And waited. Five minutes later Mark still hadn't left the garage. Or had he? Chinamani scampered across the road to do a quick survey of the place. Sure enough, not only was there a rear entrance, it was heavily monitored by a security guard booth dead center. Just the kind of place where you'd store an expensive Mercedes. She tried her best to smile as she walked up to the booth and rapped on the glass. Hey, did I just miss Mark? At the guard's confused look she minds someone taller than herself. Big guy, black hair, drives a Mercedes? Oh. Yeah, he just left. Damn it, I forgot something in his car, hey. Could you point me to his spot so I can leave a message for him for tomorrow? The guard looked at her like she was dumb. Probably for all the right reasons. I can give him a message if you want. I can't let you up there, though. Uh, thing is. It's kinda personal? That sounded terrible, even to her ears. You know what, I'll just catch him tomorrow. Thanks. No sense in tipping her hand this early. There was more than one way to skin this cat, she was sure of it. There was still the secretary, after all. Shinamani made for her car, hopping she wasn't too late. Chapter 02 Liverpool, New York. Evening. She hated villages in general, and Liverpool in particular. It was a quiet township spread out over a lot of hilly terrain with mostly single and two-story buildings and a couple highways running through it like shoelaces that had been dropped on a map. The place was an afterthought compared to downtown. But more than anything, it was the quiet and diffused nature of people's living situations that bothered the half-succubus. When packed closer together and forced to interact, people's uneasiness and misery coalesced but out here there was none of that. If downtown was a concert, Liverpool was the sleepy after-party at an old folks' home. So when the secretary got on the New York 370 freeway leading to the town, Chinamani started to pull off the road. Of course, no sooner did she do this than that damned nagging compulsion hit her full force there would be no deviation. She'd set her mind to this and come hell or high water, she was going to be forced to carry it out. She knew the rules, she knew the consequences, but that didn't stop her from chucking the coin out the window every few miles or so as she trailed behind the secretary's civic. It was her own brand of petty revenge and something that in some tiny way felt like she was reclaiming her life. Of course the damn thing always wound up in her pocket again. Sisyphus is a bitch. She muttered and threw it out the window. The 370 followed the rough outline of Onondaga Lake, snaking down its mile-long coast in the same way a lover might caress the gentle swells of the feminine form, if that form belonged to a druggy prostitute. Uncle Sam may not have given a shit, but the local government eventually wised up that maybe having a crack addict in their backyard was bad for property values and got into rehab mode. Sure, 
It was a lengthy process, almost a hundred years all told, but between the new sewage treatment plants and hard dredging worthy of any back alley gangbang, the lake came healthier than it had been in a century. There was work to do, but at least now people could spend some time around it without risk of growing a third eye or something. For the common resident, it was a pretty mirror to reflect the maroon sunset that carried the scent of shrubbery and trees along its coast, something she was all too happy to drink in for the moment. A reminder that in the grand scheme her struggle wasn't all that important, that there'd be a time when she got rid of this fucking coin for good. All she had to do was get through this investigation, condemn the guilty party and get it back into circulation. The steering wheel groaned in her grip. It wouldn't take long. A day or two, then she could be on her way. She was due for a vacation as it was, and getting it back into circulation meant she'd have the ability to leave the region for a while as the coin figured out its new owner. It was a small thing, but getting a week's head start was important to getting as far away from Syracuse and her silver as possible. Two clients ago it had taken the coin an entire year before it tried to call her back to it, if not for the drug-addled brain of the man she'd helped it probably would have been just as long this time, too. Drug addicts were less than reliable clients though, and her vacation had been brief this time. Janet though, she'd hold on to it for a good long time. She was just the sort of person Shinamani needed arrogant, proud, willing to hide things she knew better than meddle with. Janet was her key to freedom, maybe forever. All she had to do was ride this mess out to its conclusion, and all would be well. In the meantime, though, she followed the Civic until it pulled into an apartment complex nestled in among a row of cookie-cutter housing. The building was long and boxy with windows every few dozen feet and the kind of boringly predictable lawn care that one would expect from corporate-owned real estate. Safe, sanitized, and absolutely banal. The sign outside advertised the place as Com Acres. Chinamani scoffed and pulled her station wagon and trailer along the building up the road from the parking lot. At first it sounded simple, check for the apartment number and come back later when the secretary was asleep. Life, it seemed, had other plans. The parking spaces for residents were sheltered by the second story of the building and none of them were marked. The gated doorway had a buzzer panel on the side and plenty of windows overlooking those cars. She frowned. Guess that's that dash. Was as far as she got before her skin started itching all over. The coin asserted itself and the itching grew worse as she tried to walk away. Fuck off, will you? I'll find another way. She muttered under her breath. Between her toes a fire rippled over her skin, a thousand tiny needles of poison sumac sparking up like lighters at a rock concert. Fucking quit it. Dick. The half-succubus groaned as she clawed at her jeans. But it didn't stop. Another step back towards the car and it got worse, diamond sandpaper grinding between her generous ass cheeks. She spun on her heel and ran back to the apartment. Fucking figured. She stood there for a moment, considering her options. Just waiting for the woman to come out again would be a massive time sink, and the coin would make damn sure Chinamani waited. Just hitting buttons at random on the buzzer might get her the woman's name but breaking into her car would solve all of that. She glanced at the Civic, then the windows overlooking the parking spots. She made a surreptitious inspection of the corners and overhang for cameras, relaxing some when she didn't find any. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad then. Her soul wrenched against the temptation of the easy path in front of her. Nothing actually said she shouldn't, but her heightened state of awareness made her wonder if she should. It wasn't just the risk of getting caught, but the danger that she'd actually be hurting this innocent bystander. The secretary had to know she was boffing a married man if she was at all and if Chinamani started digging around her stuff, then she might actually do some harm. There was a word for people like that. That word was asshole, and while she might occasionally enjoy a romp in someone's own or even her own being an asshole to someone who was ostensibly innocent felt wrong. So she stabbed the buzzer at random. Hello? An older woman's voice chirped through the speaker. Oh, uh, hi. So, hey, this is going to be a little awkward, but you wouldn't happen to own a blue Civic? The lights are on, and they're pretty hot. A brief pause. No, I don't. She motioned for her to hurry up and get to the point, more by habit than anything. Any second now the natural inclination to help someone would ping and. You want apartment 12? Bingo. Thanks so much. She thought it over for a second before poking the button. Even when the answering beep came she had her line of bullshit planned out. Hi there. You don't know me but I'd really like to talk to you. The young woman on the other side of the buzzer sounded rightly skeptical. About what? I was hired by Janet Gomez. 
she said, stepping back enough so she could get sight of the various windows overlooking the parking area. Normally I wouldn't come to someone's house, but I'm just following up a lead looking to put this case to rest. The silence stretched out for several seconds. When the woman spoke again there was a cautious undercurrent to manner that hadn't been there a moment before. What exactly are you investigating? I think it'd be easier to discuss face-to-face -face you're familiar with the concept of client confidentiality, I'm sure. Another bout of silence cut into their conversation. Show me your license, she said. She eased back, watching the windows sure enough the one just left of the central door shifted some. Just enough that it couldn't be wind. Chinamani reached for her wallet, held it up showing her license left and right pretending she hadn't seen the movement. She doubted the woman could see it was her driver's license, she just needed a few words out of her target anyway. After a couple moments of acting like an idiot, she stabbed the button again. Dunno if you saw it look, I'll just cut this short. I'm near the end of my process. Mrs. Gonzalez thinks he's been cheating on her but three weeks on and I've not found anything that says he's been unfaithful. I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but I just want to know if you've seen him leaving with anyone. Unusual calls, private emails he doesn't want you to read or anything like that. Another pregnant pause. Chindamani smiled privately. This may just be easier than she expected. When the secretary finally replied her tone was firm, rehearsed and direct. Someone had been practicing for this eventually. Not to my knowledge, no. The office is an open place, and he works too hard to even have time for an affair. That's what everyone I've talked to said, too. She pulled her notepad out, going through the motions of making notes. She made sure she was visible to the window and scribbled as she talked. If I could ask you a couple more quick questions? I had a talk with a Mr. Dash. She flipped a few pages back to look as if she was checking her work. Porter? He's a local divorce attorney handling the divorce. He wasn't sure whether or not the Mercedes was kept at the old address or the new one. Do you happen to know if he takes it out to the house or if he parks it somewhere else? This was pushing. It was pushing way too hard and way too fast, but maybe. I wouldn't know anything about that, sorry. She looked at the speaker, trying to transmit how stupid this woman sounded through the air. I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but surely you stopped by the new place during the last annual cookout. She gnawed her tongue, hoping she'd read the social media pictures right. He'd hosted a lot of events for the office before the divorce crap started and the newer pictures showed a different place, suggesting that he wanted to keep up appearances or didn't care in the first place. I, If he's been cheating Dash. It's just a formality. I promised I'd ask after the car just for the sake of making Mr. Porter's life easier. Completely unrelated to my case but Dash. Then maybe you should stick to your case. Smarmy little bitch. Listen, as someone who's been down this road and lost the ring before, you'd be doing him a huge favor by helping us all get through this mess just a little faster. If I can help Janet get the paperwork done faster, Mark can put this crap behind him sooner. Now, please, I'm just asking where you think the car is. The woman on the other end sighed. What address do you have? Chinamani made another show of rifling through her notes. Ah, uh, I have one in East Syracuse and another in DeWitt. She lied. At least one of those was a real thing. Sort of. Mark's social media profile said he lived in DeWitt. She held her breath as she waited. East Syracuse? That's not right. You sure? Ridgewood Drive doesn't sound familiar? No, he lives in Manlius. Chinamani groaned inwardly and flipped to a new page. Happened to know the address? After getting it, the itchy feeling began to subside. Triumphant, she stuffed her notepad away and thanked the woman for her time before she trotted off back to her car. She made sure to take the long way around the building so she couldn't be seen just in case and started the long drive to Manlius. If only everything could have been this damned easy. Hashtag. Easy was a subjective thing, it turned out. Chinamani compared the social media picture of the cookout to the house she was standing in front of. Third time in as many minutes and they were no closer to lining up. The pale blue shutters of the upper-end townhouse weren't going to spontaneously go brown to match the picture. The two-car garage and beautiful pond in the back weren't going to morph into the open grass field of Mark Gonzalez's place. That bitch. She muttered as she crept around the garage. She wasn't going to let a little thing like trespassing stop her from making the 45-minute drive out here worth her while. As silently as she could manage, she crept up and checked the windows of the garage. Surprisingly, there were two cars, two vans. Neither of which looked particularly sporty, or like they were covering for a midlife crisis. 
but one didn't park a Mercedes out in the elements, even in the richest part of the city. This wasn't going to work. Almost as if karma was kicking her in the ass, a man from next door called out to her. Excuse me. She had her keys in her hand, she casually slid them between her fingers and put on a placid smile. Hmm? He was approaching with a purposeful stride and squared shoulders like he was going to make himself look more intimidating if he was actually bigger, it might have worked. What are you doing? She looked at him like he was stupid, then backed up as he drew closer. Easy, easy. I'm doing my job. Your job involved looking into people's windows does it dash. When I'm investigating a stolen vehicle, yes. She lied, holding up her left hand. Look, I was given the wrong address and I'm leaving, don't read too far into this. He paused just briefly, glancing at the station wagon and her cart then back to her. Do a lot of investigating between selling pizza, do you? He gave her another once over. You get out of here, and don't come back. Chinamani rolled her eyes, suppressing the urge to give him the finger as she dropped into the driver's seat. He slunk up to the car, she grabbed her revolver from under the seat and sat it in her lap. By the time he was at her window, the massive hunk of nickel-plated compensation was fully visible. She slid her hand around the rosewood grip and feathered the hammer. Help you? He paled visibly. Whatever bullshit threat you were gonna make against me you can stuff right up your butt, yeah? I'm not in the mood and neither are you. She smiled at his discomfort. Now make like a tree and leaf. He didn't need to be told twice. Chinamani slumped back as she watched him run back to his house, irritated. Her lead had dried up, no sooner than she'd fucking got it either. Here she was trying to be nice and... You know what, I got something for you. She slapped the key in and jacked the car into gear. She tried to be nice and keep innocent parties out of things they had no business in. But no, the silly girl decided she wanted to be a hero. Didn't she know the mongoose in a snake pit tended to get eaten eventually? Hashtag. Chinamani was careful to take the back roads on the return trip, chewing through a lot of gas and time to get back just before nine but somehow managing to avoid any police as she snaked her way down the secretary's street. She cribbed a parking spot several blocks away, changed clothes and dug out the tool kit she kept in the back seat. The crunch of its leather strap felt warm as she slung it, ensuring it slid between her breasts. If someone caught her, she'd need every advantage she could get, she couldn't run fast or far, she'd have to rely on her other charms. Ten minutes later she was crouched down in the shadow of the overhang beside the Civic with a long metal slim gym in hand. Another half minute to shift the locking rods and she had the Civic open. She started with the glove box rewarded for her efforts with a spray of paperwork, old mail and a strip of pictures of her and Mark together. They were both smiling, she noticed. Nothing for Mark, though, nothing indicating another address. It turned out the secretary's name was Tanya Bauer, she'd been late on several credit card payments, and at least one of them was being charged off if the big final notice stamp was to be believed. If she was the type, there'd have been enough to open a line of credit maybe at a toy shop. But then, there was being spiteful and just being an asshole. The half-succubus stuffed the credit card mail into her bag and slid the Slim Jim along the strap of her bag, tying it down to make it look inconspicuous. She relocked the car and slid up to the gated door, taking a quick glance around before she got to work on it with the lockpicks. She was in practice, religiously so, but the keyway on the gate saw more insertions and removals than her on a drinking bender at a frat house, each one leaving a bit of dirt and grime in the way of the pins. What normally would take her five minutes or so ground on for fifteen, until she finally got the pins up and tensioned the cylinder enough to allow it to open. Triumphant, she dumped her pick kit into the bag and jogged up the steps in search of apartment twelve. There were a lot of ways to handle this the infernal part of her nature wanted her to break in and tear this bitch apart for daring to defy her. How dare she lie. But the mere thought made she want to vomit, even before the various ways she'd accomplish it began to filter in. The girl wanted to be a hero. Chinamani would give her a reason to then. She snaked her way to the end of the hall and dug a box cutter from her bag. Normally she'd use it to scrape stickers from things or cut police line tape, but it served its purpose when she drew the razor across her finger from palm to tip. She didn't even feel the pain as she ground it down into the guard, splitting the flesh like the Red Sea right down to the bone. Blood ran fresh from her wound even as it sealed up with an inferno of pains from the reforming nerve ends. It tingled and pulled at her all over her hand like her fingers were going to join together to form some kind of mitten. She grabbed her hand, intertwining her fingers and spreading the blood over her face with gritted teeth. 
The healing hurt like hell and her body revolted with every twist and turn of her mangled finger, screaming about how it was so much worse than it was. She couldn't let it think she needed to see a doctor though, the fucking coin would probably think she was trying to help her client instead of her, and then compel her to the damned hospital, or something. By the time she'd finished with her makeup the inferno had faded to a dull roar of numbing pain and ache. She wiped the blood off on her jeans and smeared her forehead to look more bruised and battered. A couple deep breaths and she tightened her wings under her hoodie, working herself up to the performance she was about to give. She started by throwing herself from halfway up the stairs to the landing. Her body landed with a satisfying crunch that stung like shit but put her in the mindset to scrabble away, whimpering and mewling like a wounded doe. No! No no no! She exclaimed as she made a beeline straight for apartment 12, smacking her palm against the door. Open up please please! She cried out pathetically. Silence. Fucking, hurry up! The half-succubus smacked the door again, putting more emphasis on her pleading. Please! Help! She stepped back from the door to check the stairs like she was expecting someone to come. She turned and slapped the doorframe of one of the other apartments trying to diffuse her force along the wall so as not to actually be heard inside. Come on, come on. Work with me, hero. She spun just in time to see the light in Tanya's peephole darken, like someone was checking what was going on. She pounced on the advantage, whimpering and slapping the door again. Another quick check of the empty stairs and she leaned towards the door. Please let me in, please, please, please. I just, just need a phone. And the door opened. Tanya's sweet young girl peeked around the door. There was no chain on it. Shinamani surged in with her infernal strength doing her best to look pathetic and kick the door shut behind her, sliding down beside the woman in a fit of crying. She'd be damned if she was going to give this up now. P please, see can I use your phone? Please? Tanya looked about ready to try and kick her home invader out but then seemed to think better of it, checking the hall through her peephole and, to Chi's surprise, locking the door. She watched for several seconds, heedless to the real danger behind her. The apartment was dark with only the hall light on and the flickering of a some low-budget sci-fi movie playing on the flat screen in the living room. She hadn't seen the movie before, she noted. The place was pretty sparsely decorated with a simple couch and a tasteful arrangement of silver lamps here and there. Chi's body itched, a smoldering ember that seemed to emanate from within her instead of the coin's usual method of compulsion she saw the crucifix over the doorway just as Tanya turned to regard her. Didn't it figure? Too late now, though. Are you okay? Tanya said quietly as she crouched down, pulling her nightshirt tight. She reached up to touch Chi's wound and offered the touch of any compassionate person. The first needle of guilt dug into Chi then it struck Tanya what had happened. Recognition flickered in her blue eyes. You dash. Afraid so. Chinamani dropped her glamour entirely and surged forward, grabbing the woman by the shoulder and looping around her, hand over her mouth, crushing her palm into the teeth that tried to bite. There was no contest, though. She was too strong and too used to this kind of crap she shoved the girl down, held her hands over her lower back and slid the police-grade zip ties on. Work with me here and we'll make this quick. Tanya thrashed and whimpered. She hauled her up with an arm around her waist she dumped the secretary on the couch still holding her hand over her mouth. Listen carefully, I'm not gonna repeat this. Tell me what I want to know and I leave here and you go back to trading tequila shots out of each other's asses or whatever it is you do with Mark. Don't tell me what I want to know and I'm going to make our time together deeply unpleasant. Hell, I might drink your beer, eat your snacks and leave your shower drain clogged trying to get this shit off my skin. She eased her hand from the woman's mouth, holding her gaze firmly. Tanya's gaze kept flicking up to her horns not unexpected really but eventually she looked she full on. W.W. what dash? Well I'm not with Girl Scouts of America, now am I? She blinked, uncomprehending. Joke. That was a joke. Oh, come on, tell me this is the first time you've been died up and held at gunpoint. She smiled at the woman's quick processing of the implied threat. Tanya became much more docile and shrunk back, lowering her gaze. It was a total lie, of course. She'd left the gun back in the car, but the horns had probably won her some points on the unexpected behavior scale. Tanya swallowed. Are you going to kill me? Should I? Probably not think of this as a learning opportunity. She pushed her back and hopped up to her full size, just tall enough to look down at her captive. Do you stop to consider that not everyone you tried to help is worthy of it? At the mention of her name, the woman blanched. The air of fear thickened, savory and warm, tempting Chi with every breath she took. 
This is where I point out that I don't want to be here all night. Faster you help me out, the better. Chinamani leaned forward, smiling a toothy grin to accent her canines. Tanya's aura shrunk even more. I asked you a question? I, I dash. She's back away from Chi. She lowered her voice, following her all the way to the back of the couch. I, asked you. A question. Her voice was cool and calm. HH dash. Boring. Chinamani danced back and turned the TV off. It's like watching the opening of 2001, a space odyssey great for scene setting, but not terribly fun to sit through a second time. So, let's cut the foreplay and get to the good parts, huh? I'm going to ask you a few simple questions and the sooner you answer me the sooner we all go back to our lives. Where does Mark live, Tanya? She whimpered. One demerit. She strode back into the hall towards the kitchen. Don't get to three. I'd hate to see that happen. She cracked open the fridge. Wine cooler. Pale ale? And I'm the heathen. She stole one of the beers before returning to find Tanya on her feet near the TV stand. She had her cell phone in her hand, eyes wide as dinner plates, staring at Chi. Go ahead. She crossed her arms and leaned against the wall, sipping the beer. She flexed her wings back against her hoodie just for emphasis. Just think really carefully what you're gonna tell the cops. I mean, what? A demon came and held me hostage. Neither of us are gonna win that one. Another casual sip. You look like an idiot, and I'm no closer to finding Mark. They held each other's gaze for a moment. Tanya's eyes roamed Chinamani's form. She clutched her phone. W.Y. him. She shrugged. I've been nothing but honest up to this point because I wanted to give you the benefit of basic respect. She took a sip. See, Mark isn't exactly in his wife's good graces she thinks he's banging you so she sent me to find out what was going on and get that damned car back. Now for what you get out of this. Shinamani strode over and grabbed the phone. The screen was waiting for a password. Figured. Is a life lesson. She tossed the phone back on the stand and sat Tanya down. Seems like he's kind of a piece of crap or at least enough of one to warrant some pretty heavy intervention. Tanya muttered. He said his wife was a mean witch. I didn't think he meant it like this. She had been halfway into a sip, she laughed and sputtered. She tried to regain her composure, but couldn't help herself. Pretty sure she thinks as highly of herself too, but no that's not how this works. Look, I'm just after the car. I'm not going to hurt him, I'm not going to hurt you unless I really have to. For just a moment she looked about ready to rebel, but then she looked at Chinamani. He's not a bad man dash. I don't care what he's like. The faster I get done with this, the faster I get on with my life. Look, I promise you, mine's the only blood that's going to get spilled. She squinted. You expect me to believe that? I haven't heard you, have I? She sipped her beer. Janet's a bitch, but she just wants the car back. I don't kill people. I don't go around stealing souls and shit I'm the lamest of the demons. But but you are a demon. Could be worse. Chinamani touched Tanya's cheek she recoiled and she grabbed her by the shirt, yanking her close. I could do whatever I want to you right now and every part of me is telling me to it's the human part of me that keeps me from acting on it but I have my limits. Unless you want to find them, I really suggest you tell me where I find that chunk of metal. Tanya whimpered and tried to draw back. She pulled her closer and she flashed her canines again, settling mere inches from her face. Well? E.H. he lives in the village. Village like what, East Syracuse? Yeah. Tanya recited an address by memory. She groaned. You fucking kidding me? That was a joke. She eyed the woman. Got any proof to back it up? And no? Then why would I believe you, hmm? Tanya sighed. Jay, you want the car, right? Then you go away? I have no reason to lie to you. Hmm. She was technically right, she supposed. Well, it was a lead if nothing else. She dampened her fingers with some beer and wiped the blood clean from her face simultaneously rebuilding her glamour to hide her horns. So if I come back here, you know we're going to have this conversation again, you know we're going to have it out in a different way, right? Tanya nodded with mock coyness. She was going to call the cops the moment she left. Or thought she would. That was fine with Chinamani. Turn around. She said as she produced the box cutter. After cutting off her restraints and packing them away she immediately drank of the woman's fear and unease. Like a glutton she savored that particular flavor of concern that only came about when someone cared for another who was being threatened. In doing so, she learned what she needed to know. The girl cared for this man. 
maybe even loved him. Tanya blinked a few times and looked at her with fresh eyes, as if the last few minutes had never happened she was all piss and vinegar with a new kind of fear. Who the hell are you? She raised the bottle and giggled. Hey. Come on, don't look at me like that we were gonna play spin the bottle. W-H dash. Confusion and worry warped her features, she checked her own breath, looking for alcohol and finding none, turned her suspicion to her visitor. Get the hell out dash. Come on, I thought Todd was gonna be here and we were gone have, dot a threesome. Or something. I got drunk for this, you can't kick me out. I don't know who the hell Todd is, but you got the wrong apartment dash. Wait. She blinked at her. Wait, hey. I know you. Huh. You're internet famous. She giggled and prodded Tanya. Yay, didn't I see you on Fail Army in one of those videos? Mom must be so proud. Get the fuck out of my house. Hashtag. Chinamani hoofed it back to her car and dumped her gear, rubbing furiously at her skin to rid herself of the itching from the coin and the religious taint of the apartment. Even fifteen minutes later it burned, but it was a small price to pay for a lead. South close to her quarry, she could almost taste her freedom. It tasted like cheap pilsner beer stolen from a middle-class secretary. Chapter 03 East Syracuse, New York Early morning. She drummed her fingers on the steering wheel, frowning at the fuel gauge as she coasted down Ridgewood Slope. The village of East Syracuse was small but hilly and her V-tent swallowed more gas than a dyslexic hooker in a donkey show chugging her way up the ladder to frat parties and military barracks work. If hell was a place that existed and could be quantified by a mortal mind, did that mean there was a department somewhere that handled curses and hexes? If that department did exist, did that mean Chinamani could send invoices for fuel and wear and tear on her car? Even if that were the case, it'd probably have been run like a messed up version of the Department of Motor Vehicles with forms filled out in triplicate signed in petitioner's blood and judged by some bureaucrat who'd expect receipts or something. She shuddered. Some things just weren't meant to be, and this would wind up being one of them, she was sure. For all her complaining though, it had been her fault for insisting on a V10 engine swap in the first place. After a particularly bad car chase with a pain in the ass client, she'd resigned herself to the necessity of the monstrous engine and its gluttony. In some ways it was fitting, monster engine in a beat-up station wagon driven by a deceptively small demon. Probably a joke in there somewhere about being able to fit four and all the toys you'd ever need, too. She mused to herself. At the base of the hill she started out onto the main thoroughfare of James Street that ran east-west, pondering just how long this might take and what kind of trouble she might run into along the way. Chances were good that the secretary had warned Mark after the first time she had come around, but what she thought she knew and what was actually going on were different enough that he probably wouldn't have been too alarmed. All she had to do was get the car and get out, anyway. It was going to be fine. Fine, she said quietly to reassure herself. Janet would hold on to the coin for a few months, maybe even years, and she could get back to her damned vacation while it forced her to seek out a new petitioner. Chi's freedom was close at hand. She just needed to stop overthinking things and go with her instincts. Starting with ditching her car, which she did in the parking lot behind a strip mall just up the road, along with her pistol. In case she was arrested, there was a difference between playing catch with a hand grenade and an anti-tank mine. A third-degree robbery charge would get her seven years while a first-degree armed robbery charge would be ten to twenty-five. Never mind that both were felonies and she'd never own a pistol legally again anyway. No pressure. After a bit of finagling she dug out her breaking and entering kit and started up towards Mark's place with images of pizza and beer in her near future. By the time she got to the address she'd been given, Chi's stomach was rumbling and that nagging itch across her body had turned into the supernatural equivalent of poison ivy like the coin thought that the very idea of taking care of herself was something to be ashamed of. In protest, she tossed the coin down a storm drain. Mark's place was nice little duplex at the crest of a hill with a garage tucked behind it and a hedge fence surrounding the yard. Daisies stood tall in a bed of perennials near the porch like sentries, each a tiny yellow spotlight that swayed in the breeze as she studied the house for entry points at a safe and inconspicuous distance. Neither of the front doors were giving up occupant names and doors she found alongside the building wasn't marked either. A garage painted the same gray and white of the main house was tucked up near the back of the property, and for just a moment she hoped that she'd luck into the car. Between her and the garage a security light punctuated the gray paneling, 
the kind that ran with an infrared sensor and a roughly 180-degree arc she pondered getting on the opposite side of the fence that ran the property line but there were more lights along the other house that'd have made it impossible even if she could somehow climb the damn fence. There were ways though. She fished around in her bag until she found her folded-up sunshade. Most consumer-grade security lights use simple infrared detectors to look for a significant change in the ambient levels of IR energy being put off by things that generated heat like the human body. She gave off considerably more than that even standing idle, but between the reflective material of the screen and layers and layers of mylar blankets she'd sewn on either side of it, it'd do for passing by. The problem was that even with such a heavy barrier between her and the sensors, mylar transferred heat and steadily her IR signature would bleed through. With any luck, she'd only need to do it once but for the sake of her own sanity she kept the entire conglomeration at arm's length by way of the cloth strap. She edged up to the house and kept her profile low to further minimize the chance of being picked up before hefting the thing over her like a medieval tower shield and shuffling as fast as she could under the sensor. When it didn't go off she relaxed and folded it back up, tucking it back into the bag on her way to the garage to claim her reward. What awaited her wasn't a reward but an empty-ass building with some tools and lawn-keeping crap. She braced her hands on either side of the window, glanced back. She peeked again just to make sure. Karma was having a laugh at her she'd fucked up by pulling her gun on that guy and now she'd have to pay for it. Wasn't that just fitting? So, no car. She mused. Could wait it out and see where he goes in the morning. Could just break in and find out. She'd committed before the thought had even finished forming. Every since Janet had come into her life something had been off about her. But now there was a chance to see the shoe on the other foot and just how it'd land when it inevitably fell on someone. It was too much to pass up. Besides, impulse control had never been Chinamani's strong suit. She dug out the IR shield again along with a cordless drill and pair of screws, taking them between her teeth as she meandered under the shield over to the rear door. Once she was outside of it she tugged the cotton straps over the frame and quickly punched the screws through them into the woodwork. The screws were small, quick in and hard to see when pulled out, but just sturdy enough to hold her kit. She needed to buy herself time though, so she wrapped her coat over her head to contain more of her natural body heat while she worked the lock over with her picks. In seven minutes she had her ingress, and the door opened with the satisfying whoosh of the draft blocker at the base of the door. She eased in and adjusted her beanie bag to fold tight to her body, crouching down and closing her eyes for a moment to adjust her senses to the building. A military girl she dated a while back had taught her about the practice something about engaging the five senses so you were sensitive to changes in the environment. She could smell was basement dust underlined by laundry soap and dryer lint, a faint whiff of dog kibble from upstairs and cigar smoke from the hallway. The place was silent as a tomb, nothing stirred except a demon. She eased up the steps to the first floor and tested the knob it gave right away into a kitchen that looked straight out of the 70s with sickly orange linoleum and boxes. Lots and lots of boxes. At first they looked like document boxes, but the closer she got to them the more they made sense some were document boxes, but the majority were actual moving boxes. A quick peek revealed a bunch of expensive-looking plaques and some framed photos. Photos of Mark with some folks every bit as wolfish as he looked. It was a good look, though, strong, confident. Powerful. Perfect. She smiled as she began to prowl the house. A thin coat of dust clung to most of the place's bachelor pad furniture suggesting this place saw as much use as cheese sense of propriety. Bare walls, boxes packed full of a life in transition and a single card table with a laptop perched on it. Even the bathroom was untouched. What a joke. The only closed door in the house lead to Mark's bedroom, something she wasn't about to get into before she had done her diligence. After a quick rifle through some of the easier-to-open boxes she came back to the laptop and pulled out a tiny bag for diabetic testing supplies. Inside it was a USB key with Linux, a headphone cable cut just past the plug and an external hard drive. She wasn't a hacker, she didn't need to be, but some things were just easy with the right tools she popped the plug into the headphone jack to keep the machine from making noise and powered it up. Sure enough, no power on password, but an operating system password stopped her from logging on. No doubt he'd picked it up, and just expected that to be enough. Not that it was unreasonable. No lawyer worth their salt kept client files on home machines, but still. If he thought this was enough he was in for another thing. She grinned mischievously as she popped her USB drive in and rebooted the machine, forcing it to boot off the drive. Linux could run right off the drive and still see all the files on the machine, 
making cloning the machine to her external hard drive as easy as a few button presses. While that did its thing she set her bag on the chair and plucked a few more essentials her key kit and a bald gag. Never hurt to be safe. People did stupid things if they were startled awake and no amount of wings, teeth or tail were going to change that flight or fight response. Slinking over to the door, she ran through her quick mental checklist and cycled the door, peeking. Queen-sized bed, Mark facing the opposite wall snoring. Nightstand dresser. Keys and a picture on the stand near her. He slept naked. Kept in shape. A firm, solid outline that'd have looked good painted in lipstick. Focus. She slid along the carpet on her hands and knees, around the dresser to the nightstand where his keys were. She scooped them up with both hands and eased them down to the carpet with her where she could work. The key to the Mercedes was the most obvious among them simply because of its age, shiny and silvery and worn with decades of use. Immediately she went to work with the key kit, mixing some AB chemicals into a little plastic bottle with a stick. A dash of hardener, and she popped the key in and held it with a rubber band so it wouldn't move while the chemicals set. By the time it was done, she'd have a gel mold of the key to make a casting from and a head start if she actually found the damned car. In the meantime, she waited. And waited. And waited. She grew more attuned to the scent of the power Mark had, that particular tang of midlife musk that she'd come to associate with someone who ate too much salt but didn't sweat it out. He probably didn't get laid enough, or Tanya was a fish in bed and he hadn't had the chance to actually break a sweat. The thought amused she endlessly. Mark stirred, rolled over. Mumbled something. She pulled her glamour in tighter, pressing her wings into her shoulders like it'd help. But he didn't get up. The room fell still again. Maybe in different circumstances she'd have pursued Mark maybe in a different world, she'd have shown him the qualities of a real woman just to see if he could handle her the way she wanted. Few ever reached for that bar, fewer still held on to it, but in that moment the fantasy was more interesting than the reality. Janet had been bad for him from start to finish, they were both damaged people looking to be fixed by one another or to be taken care of, and in the wake of their fires all that was left was ashes. But maybe in a different world they could have been happy, warm and safe near each other's flames until she came along to show them how a fire really burned out of control. She'd have destroyed their relationship pitted them against one another, fucked Janet until she couldn't walk a straight line and ground Mark's hips into powder as he drooled on her back and begged for more, then she claimed them both. She blinked. Frowned. Where the fuck did that come from? Damned urges. Always cropped up at the worst times. But still. There was something to that idea. Something deeply alluring. It was the succubus part of her, no doubt. The demon that wanted to play to hurt people. Chinamani gritted her teeth in some vague semblance of disgust, trying to remind herself to keep control, keep focused. She looked at the mold. She was almost done. She could get out of here then. Yes, it was all right. She just needed to get her shit in gear and move on. Then she could indulge in feeding the darker parts of her nature. Once the gel had set, she cut the key out with a knife and tucked the result away. When she went to replace the key, she paused as her gaze came to the photograph. It was Mark and Janet with a pair of young boys between them no older than ten. You have kids? She set the keys down and crept back out slowly. Kids? They had children in this mix too? Some part of her wanted to smile at the man sleeping alone in a dusty house. Sure, he had money, success and a nice car, but he didn't have the things that people consider truly valuable. He couldn't keep a relationship going, had a shitty mistress and apparently couldn't even get custody of his own kids. Chinamani was acting as an agent of retribution, even if Janet was a myopic piece of garbage herself, she hadn't been the one to break vows. Janet wanting the car back was just the human part of his punishment, but it seemed like karma was having a grand old time cornholing this loser. She finished up cloning his drive and tucked her gear away, preparing to leave. But was it right? Who cares, it isn't my problem. Hashtag. Once she got back to her car, she left a message for her tech guy with promises of a free pizza for a couple hours with his laptop and went about casting the car key with some tiny metal ingots and a butane torch. Modern car keys were too precise and usually had RFID chips in them, rendering a casting useless, but the old Mercedes would have been easy to work with in theory. A little filing on the key and a quick hand polish, and it was as ready as it was going to get. She kicked out in the back with her jacket balled up under her head, staring at the ceiling. The night was clear and quiet and warm and packed in like she was, she could almost imagine herself insulated from the world's troubles. 
but that wasn't accurate at all Mark and Janet's kids hadn't done anything to deserve their parents any more than she had. They probably weren't sleeping in the back of a station wagon, but that didn't mean they weren't suffering in other ways. So? People suffer all the time, what's that got to do with me? She whispered as she rolled over. It was just one more fucking sob story attached to that damned coin, she wasn't going to fix either of them, and she wasn't meant to. It was a case of doing her time with the coin and finding a way out of it if she could. Everything else was secondary. Don't get attached, you know better. She reminded herself as she drifted off to sleep. Chapter 04 Syracuse, New York. Early afternoon. Chinamani got a late start the following day. By the time she was downtown to set up her stand it was almost noon, and her body kept insisting it was either sober or stupid enough to get things going this damned early. Fortunately by the very nature of her business, prep and setup were fairly easy pull the dough balls from the fridge, stretch them out over the oven screens, slather the tomato sauce on them, add toppings and throw them in the oven. In fifteen minutes she had her first batch of product ready to go, and half a bottle of water in her stomach. She could almost convince herself she was human. NGH. She scrubbed her face and dug out her portable DVD player, yanking a totally not pirated disc from the binder she kept near the condiments. She just needed time to get started and moving around, then she'd be good. No more late nights. She promised herself. Total bullshit, of course, but it sounded good. She pounded the rest of her water and splashed her face a few times. Over the next hour she managed to sell a good portion of her stock during lunch rush, as well as clearing her head enough to function normally. The more time she put between setting up and now the better she felt but the more her mind kept drifting to the situation with Mark, Janet, and their children. People who went through divorces had a statistically higher chance of committing suicide, more so if kids were involved and someone didn't get access to them but Chinamani wasn't convinced either of them was in a hurry to take a long walk off a short pier. No, they were too selfish and Mark already had something else lined up so he was probably going to be fine. In cases like this, the mother usually got custody and from the looks of things, Mark was expecting the same thing. So, it means making the best of a shitty situation all around. The kids weren't going to have it easy no matter what happened, but that didn't mean there wasn't a middle ground where they didn't get royally boned by their parents' avarice. Cheese phone vibrated. The alarm and a pop-up reading. Coursework, stupid. When she wasn't busting her ass trying to solve the world's problems, she was busy busting her ass trying to learn about them correspondence courses helped pass the time when business was slow, too. They kept her from thinking too much about the bigger questions to boot that was always nice. The current topic in her Love Me binder was a philosophical course on the nature of sin and concepts of evil. How wonderfully fitting. It was these little moments of discipline that kept her sane and feeling like she was moving towards something instead of just an endless series of encounters with clients she had no control over. It was another tiny reclamation of her agency, a middle finger to the cosmic wheel. She flipped through the paper-bound book to her marked place on the ideas of how sins could be absolved or taken on through cultural variations of sin-eaters and the like. Pretty rote stuff by this point, tragically unhelpful in modern parlance, but the idea of someone consuming or shouldering the sins of another did have a messed-up kind of appeal. After all, it was what she was doing every time someone brought her damned coin to her. A few minutes into her reading Sergeant Laidlaw tapped on the counter. Dashing as ever with her hair swept up in a bun, uniform pressed to edges that could have cut glass. And those skeptical eyes the color of a frigid glacier. Mph. She arched a brow, glanced at the binder, and for just a split second it looked as though she was going to lean against the cart just one hair of a moment where she was going to be herself. She read her aura quickly to confirm her suspicion but what she found left her vaguely baffled. A harmonious mix of warm colors and deep, vibrant hues haloed with a soft but sharp red color that projected the strength and power of someone taking risks and either reveling in it or completely deeply aware of it. Out of fear, perhaps? She grabbed the initiative. Your eyes. You very beautiful eyes. Laidlaw eased her weight back to stand to her full height to make sure she had to look up to her no doubt. This girl was trying for a power play. She smiled inwardly. Is it a fetish thing? H.M.? You? In some respects, yeah? I could spend months exploring every inch of you inside and out. She cleared her throat. I meant the uniform. Was that curiosity? From the proud and proper Sergeant Laidlaw? Oh, this was perfect. Two could play this game. She went back to her book, downplaying her interest immediately. 
Nah, I never see what people do. I see who they are first. After a brief pause, she added. I spend most of my waking hours looking up to people. Authority and uniform kind of lose their meaning when everyone has something over you. You know? She glanced up through her bangs with a cheeky smile. To her credit, Laidlaw deflated some and actually seemed vaguely apologetic when she glanced to the side. Her mask didn't slip, but she got the idea pretty quickly. Smart girl. She smiled up to her more genuinely. So no, not a fetish. But I dedicate entire evenings to learning about you, your power, your flaws, the things that make you smile and the things that make you want to punch me in the face. Amy scoffed. She laughed and dug out a bottle of water, offering it. But Laidlaw wasn't biting. She politely waved it off and the red halo in her aura began to fade some. So you're a risk taker. I've been known to throw loaded dice once in a while, yeah? She smiled slyly. But that you're here right now says I'm maybe not the only one, hmm? Laidlaw ignored it. How about Vegas? Ever wanted to go? The ham-handed way she brought it up was the first red flag, the second was the fact that she did at all. She stiffened momentarily. What the hell was this woman driving at? Sure, I've been a few times, not really my favorite place, though. Why, looking to sweep me off my feet for your vacation? She swooned theatrically. I do declare Sergeant Laidlaw, had I known you were such an adventurous sort, I'd have packed my hiking boots dash. Has anyone told you dash? She dampened her lips and spoke carefully. Tamajib Ho? So this was the risk she was taking. Not only was she trying to be more personal, she was afraid of embarrassing herself in the process. She couldn't very well let her do it and ruin that chance, could she? No way in hell. So she laughed at the mangled Hindi in good spirits and turned on the charm. I suppose I am weird. I don't know if that's an astute observation or just my weird showing through the cracks of an idiot's veneer. Guess I'll let you decide. I don't get the feeling you're an idiot. Good. She smiled easily. Then I'm doing my job right. Amy touched the countertop and for a moment it looked like she might be considering her words more carefully and notion dispelled when she opened her mouth. So about Vegas ever make it down to Arizona? Ah. Uh, that. She straightened up. Yeah, once or twice. Ever run into any problems down there? She was looking for Chi to lie to her. Well, this was going to be easy. Nothing to fear from the whole and completely uncomplicated truth. She popped an ice cube in her mouth. A few, yeah? I do private investigations, usually small stuff like cheating spouses and missing cats, but Las Vegas. She blew air through her lips to make a raspberry. That was a fooster cluck. Yeah? So, get this, not only was the spouse cheating, he was cheating with a drug cartel's underboss. Guy went from making minimum wage at Circuit City, remember those? To slinging hash by the pallet for six figures and an enchilada to call his own. Though, I suppose in his case it'd be a chode that sweet, cinnamon-coated treat that fits in your dash. I can't tell if that's insensitive or outright racist. She crunched her ice with a shrug. Either way, I followed them up to Tonopah then back down to the border. Over the course of three months I figured out their operation and just... Well, dash. She motioned vaguely. Cops happened across them making a big move at just the right time with a body of evidence to convict. Hooray for justice. Laidlaw eyed her dubiously. So you brought down a drug ring, try hard to keep your name off reports and out of the paper, and then you just vanish. Not to be seen for another three years. I go where I'm needed. Uh-huh. She wasn't about to tell her that she'd stolen a hefty chunk of that six figures to live off of before the cops raided. Hey, if you want to know more, you're going to have to buy me dinner first or let me buy you dinner. She put on her best puppy dog eyes. Promise it won't be pizza. Amy's aura flared red again as she rocked back subtly on her heels. They eyed one another for a moment, but the officer didn't seem too keen on the idea. She was either too afraid or didn't know how to transition smoothly. How about instead you tell me about Manlius? Manlius. Manlius, like Dash. Like last night, Manlius. Oh, sure. I was investigating another cheating spouse. Amy actually seemed a little surprised at that. She crossed her arms over her armored chest. Go on. She flipped through her binder of certificates and diplomas to her New York State investigatory license and turned the binder around. Licensed, because I know you're gonna ask. As Amy read through it and started to check through the binder's other contents, she noticed the half-succubus continued. So I was hired recently by someone I do business with to find out if their spouse is cheating. I was following a lead to Manlius, 
but the lead was bad and some good citizen was trying to stop me from breaking in. For the record, I wasn't, but I can see how it'd appear that way. I get back to my car and he comes at me with a rock. I pull my pistol out and put it in my lap. Politely tell him to fly a kite and then left. No harm, no foul. Amy glanced up from her perusing. Why do you have your gun in your car? Isn't it supposed to be from work to home and back? Yeah, but I'm technically working when I'm doing the PI gigs, so. She stuck her tongue out. Yeah. Real mature. What is all this stuff, anyway? You just, what, collect degrees in your off hours? Funny story, I didn't graduate high school. For, uh, various reasons, I couldn't. But through the course of my being a little shit, I wound up in a community college and spent an evening sitting in on a class about knitting. She ignored the look she got. She wasn't about to tell Amy that she was servicing a client. The woman who was teaching it just had so much passion I couldn't help but fall in love with the idea of learning how to knit. Yeah, it's hokey as shit. I don't care. She got me into the idea of self-improvement. Amy went back to the workbook she had been using and to Chi's surprise opened it to the exact page she'd been working on before passing the binder back. So you go from knitting to private investigation to pizza to philosophy. She smiled vaguely. Gotta love it, huh? Mmm. Dot, just so you know, last night the manliest police got a call about you. When the plates came up with your name, you were let's say you pinged our system. Her lips pouted some. I suppose it's not as big a deal as I thought, but just try to keep out of trouble in the future, huh? Scout's honor. She held up her first two fingers and her pinky extended in the classic shocker pose. It sailed right over Amy's head. Mostly. It wouldn't surprise me you were a scout, but I don't think that's how that works. Nah, probably not, but whatever. It clicked then. Laidlaw had been investigating her. Not just looking into her history but actually investigating what she was about her name didn't show up as a guiding factor because she'd paid good money to get it out of the evidence chain before it made it onto any reports. But naturally that was a pipe dream. Which mean Amy had put two and two together and figured out her involvement. Was this woman curious about her in the same way she was about Amy? There was only one way to find out. Hey, can I ask you a question? You just e. She groaned. Blow dad jokes. Amy blushed the tiniest bit but motioned her to go on. How'd you know what page I was on? She lifted her book some. Oh, I have a partially eidetic memory. I'm good with details. Sensing an opportunity, she pounced. Neat, so if I was to do. She scribbled. You can never replace anyone because everyone is made up of such beautiful specific details. Then turned it over for a second to show Amy. The officer leaned back, frowning and thought her knuckles flexed and released before she said. So what specific details are you made up of? Chinamani arched her brows in surprise. How about we find out? Over dinner? Amy blinked. You're serious. And you're curious. Let's help each other out and see where things fall. Amy sucked air through her teeth and let it out slowly, considering Chi with that kind of guarded uncertainty that always followed people around in New York. Eventually, quietly, she asked. Where would we go? She felt her heart skip a beat. You to your favorite chair and me to my knees. Or, you know, we could start with... I dunno, trivia? Bowling? I hear there's a neat barcade in Eastwood we could raid. Amy swallowed. Her hesitation spoke volumes. So I have options. I'm partial to the first, but I've been accused of being shallow. She flashed a smile she couldn't contain. Amy's blush deepened and for the first time since meeting her, she began to look genuinely uncomfortable. She cleared her throat and shook her head. Maybe dash. It was a joke. I promise I'm not too much of a weirdo. I might a succubus without the soul stealing, but I think I'm crazy enough to. Trivia and bowling, then. Amy decided. She said it firmly. Powerfully. With finality before she could think better of it. She melted. Eastwood lanes? Say. Like nine? Why sure. Amy turned to leave and she sloughed her hair back her hyper-awareness and elation turning into dread as she eyed the bags of clothes in the back of the station wagon. Only then did it occur to her that she didn't know where the hell she'd packed her nicer stuff. Then it occurred to her that her impulsiveness had just set her up for shit and knew how many more hours of the coin's song and dance. She slumped forward taking her head in her hands. Girl, you stupid shit. It was her only shot at a date with an attractive cop, only chance at a shred of normalcy but damned if it wasn't also how she'd set herself up for more time with the coin's curse. In a world with room for demons and curses that kept them from enjoying their own lives, 
wasn't she obligated to try to find her own slice of peace? That sounded like a good way to justify impulsiveness. There was a way to outsmart her coin's curse, she had done it before simple in concept, and humans did it all the time, all she had to do was lie to herself enough to change her perception, convince the coin that all her options were closed off and she need to come up with something else. She was a succubus for shit's sake, this should have been second nature. Instead she found herself uneasily pacing behind her cart for ten minutes reinforcing the notion that she had plenty of ideas to get to Mark's car. This only make things worse, but she wasn't about to not try. Not when she had a chance with Amy. Not when she stood an actual shot at finding some normalcy in her life. The coin could fuck miles of off with that notion. She looked skyward for a moment, grazing her fingers across her throat. Car wasn't at the house so it's probably hidden. Parking garage would be the best place. The garage that nobody would let her into. Perfect. Sure, she'd gone there once already. But that didn't mean she couldn't try again with a different attendant. Just repeat yesterday and she'd be good yeah. That sounded plausible. Easy to do to boot. Score. The moment she sold her last piece of pizza she was on to breaking down her cart and packing up for the day, then a quick stint outside Mark's just to be sure. The entire time she was there she kept reinforcing the idea that she needed to check the garage she repeated it like a mantra while emptying out her mind of other considerations and ideas. Tamping them down like a drowned fire until the garage felt like the only viable option. When she felt suitably primed she wandered back to the parking lot and strolled right up to the booth where an older little person in a security guard uniform stopped her politely. Lot number? He was a bit gruff but in the right light, he would have been handsome. A uh, dash. Despite herself she stalled momentarily. She could probably outrun this guy and get to the car and no. No, she couldn't let herself think of that kind of thing. No, damn it. It was time to put on the succubus charm and totally succeed. Hi. Sorry, uh, I was actually looking to see if Mark Gonzalez's vehicle was parked here a 68 Mercedes? He considered her for a moment, giving her a once-over with rightly due skepticism. She was being too specific, too forward. He itched at the edge of his salt and pepper mustache and shook his head. I doubt you're a cop, so I'm going to have to say no. She made a show of opening her coat one way and the other, then swelling her chest out enough to extend her generous bust. It's the tits, right? Nobody takes me seriously with these things. He snorted, though his gaze roamed fell to her pistol. He sat back with some concern. Are you a cop? Nah, sadly not. Just a small girl with a big sense of drama so look, I just got off work and I was hoping my buddy might have been too. I wanted to wait for him. Uh, no can do. Come on, I can hook you up with a 12-inch pizza and a 2-liter of coke and you forget you saw me. She crossed her arms, staring at the security guard. She never had a problem with little people before shit knew she practically was one. But she knew this guy wouldn't budge, and she needed to keep up appearances for her coin. Just five minutes? I'll let you hold my ID and car keys so I don't do anything stupid. I'm not out to hurt anyone or destroy anything. No can do. He repeated gruffly. Look, I'm not trying to get canned for a pretty face. Come on, give the pizza to your girlfriend or something. It'll be be the first time she's held twelve inches of white bread and low-quality meat. It'll be the first time she swallows it, though. He snorted, barely contained a laugh. No. I like having a job. Besides, she swallows ten inches of good quality meat whenever she wants. All right, kickstand. How about I throw in a second pie dash? No. Seriously, I'm not interested. He glanced where Chi's pistol was, a touch of uncertainty in his expression. We have cameras here, too, so don't get crazy, huh? The half-succubus sighed. Figures I'd run into the eighth dwarf, horny. He opened his mouth, she kept going. How's that lawsuit with Sleepy working out for you? He gave her a flat look. Get the fuck out of here. So she did, content that all was right with the world and her night off was secure. Hashtag. There was a certain way to fake being normal such that not only could people not see through the mask, but if they caught glimpses of the cracks, they'd only perceive a gradual transition into the natural tones of what was underneath it. Most wouldn't go looking, fewer still would actually see and blue was under the moon which would someone want to see more. It was the kind of disguise that she had perfected in order to fit in with the mundane world to feel normal. To be safe. They'd play this song and dance out, and when the evening was over if they weren't wrapped up in the sheets it'd be a pleasant little distraction that she could look back on fondly. It was a moment of time stolen from the jaws of whatever hell existed and had created her. 
In the meantime, she paced outside of East Syracuse lanes with the sharp tack of her low-heeled boots punctuating her wavering heartbeat. Her blouse was going to get soaked in sweat even before Amy showed up if she did at all. Maybe she wouldn't and she could just take the night off and forget this foolishness. Why had she asked a cop of all people out? Cops were trouble, cops were observant, and this one seemed particularly professional. It was always better to watch from a distance and fantasize, but damned if her nature didn't get the better of her. Damned if it didn't want to take from her until there was nothing left of body, heart, and soul. She pulled at the edges of her coat, fingernails digging in while she paced another circuit, and tried to ignore the aching of her wings compressed against her back. This was a stupid fucking idea. But it was too late. She caught sight of Amy in the corner of her vision pulling through the four-way intersection. It was too late. Too. Late. She brushed her tendered bangs out of her eyes and straightened up, suddenly aware of the pea-green Kia Soul that the sergeant was driving. She had been picturing something more substantial a Camaro or a Mustang or something as powerful as she seemed to be. Maybe she was projecting what she thought a would-be butch lesbian should drive. Then again maybe she was just nervously trying to piece together someone else's life from fragments she found online. Because that always worked out well. When Amy rounded the corner she hesitated, actually felt herself suck in a breath and hold it. Between work and now Amy had traded in her stupid little bun for an elaborate pair of braids that started at her temples and snaked into her ponytail with overhangs on either side to frame her face and those sharp blue eyes that had drawn she in the first time they met. She'd taken to wearing a dusty brown lambskin coat with a gray t-shirt and jeans that hugged her curves in a way that set Chi's mouth immediately watering. Then, to top it off, combat boots. She wore her duty boots. She laughed internally even as she offered Amy the most pedestrian smile she could. Everyone that she dated who worked in these spheres always seemed to find excuses to wearing their duty boots, and it seemed Amy Laidlaw was no exception. Hey, Amy said lightly. She was already blushing, pensive. Her voice wavered. So, uh, this is where I tell you that I don't do this very often. Date women, or date at all? Never and rarely, how's that? Oh boy. She swallowed and spread her hands. This be the line she drew in the sand, then. If it makes you feel better, I never try to hit on beautiful police officers. Amy smirked faintly. Too busy running from them, huh? She wanted to quip and tell her the truth but she wouldn't make this more awkward than it already was. Your hair looks really nice. Thanks. So, uh, bowling? They glanced at the building almost in unison. She relaxed some and threw on a plastic smile, turning and spreading her hand out as if inviting Amy to lead the way. She was a succubus, damn it, she didn't have any reason to be nervous. Casual. She just needed to be casual. How's your day going? Uh, good. Good, thanks. Yours? Better now. Yeah? Send off your coursework for your next certificate? They stepped into the bowling alley and were instantly surrounded by the sounds of low thrum of bowling balls running the lanes and smashing into pins along with sizzling burgers and fries. The sounds of a normal life doing normal things with normal people. She drunk it in with half-lidded eyes only to catch Amy's glance. She smiled sheepishly and chuckled. Yeah, I was gonna ask about a complimentary back brace too so I can carry the book it'll go into. When they got to the counter she tried to pay for both of them, but Amy wasn't having it just as well, really. A few minutes later at one of the lanes with their rented shoes on, they went through setting up their score sheets and for some reason she couldn't quite explain she managed to resist the urge to use profanity for her name. If she could have been any less like herself, she'd have probably been wearing a rosary or something. Not for the first time, she wondered how people managed to live like this. But when Amy went to pick up her ball she put it together the way Amy's jeans hugged her hips and the slow, methodical roll she had to her body when she walked. Feline, graceful. A panther made from years of training and confidence, earned through hardship. Yeah, this was why people live these mundane lives so moments like watching a tall redhead stroll forward could punctuate their boring existence. She leaned back in the chair, smiling privately. Of course she wouldn't dare break the fragile silence, but she'd appreciate it. Fantasize about it. As the ball rolled down the lane and Amy straightened, Chinamani felt something run through her a profound sadness that this would probably be the only time she could ever appreciate those curves. The instinct was there, but the complications of the mechanics of sex with a woman meant she'd. Hey. Huh. Amy was looking at her quizzically. Had she been staring? You, uh. Your turn. She cleared her throat. Right, sorry. What was your score? Strike. 
Of course it was. She marked it down. They went on in that awkward back and forth for most of the game, six frames and Amy mercifully broke the ice when she sat back instead of getting up for her turn on the lane. She crossed her legs, bobbing her knee as she considered Shinamani. When she spoke her voice was soft but intentional. Deliberate. So what's sin to you? So. She grabbed a seat opposite hers. She just needed to act natural and this be okay. You have imputed sin and personal sin. Amy slung her arm over the back of the chair. She didn't look impressed. Fuck. Commission and omission are for personal sins you either sin or you sin by not doing something, yeah? Imputed sin. I'm going to lay at the feet of society though. How so? How far could she push this? She dampened her lips. Women like smart people, right? Ever hear of the Milgram experiment? Isn't that the guy who shot some people or something? Yeah. He wanted to see how far people could be pushed when their actions were causing apparent harm to another person. His researchers never told the participants that the person who was apparently being electrocuted every time they adjusted the dial was just acting. But they didn't tell the participants that they actually slash needed slash to keep turning the dial higher. It was always coached and this is important to the experiment, and nothing more. So you take the result that 64% of the participants kept going even when the actor screamed out and pretended to fuck uh to die. Milgram figured out people were all too happy to absolve themselves of responsibility and put blind faith in an authority that didn't even tell them why it was important that this person be fried. Amy wrinkled her nose some. So sin is a society issue then. Kind of? I think so you think about the little things nobody questions. Social norms and stereotypes that tell you that druggy might kill you and steal your SH stuff or that big black guys are going to molest your daughters. It puts up a lot of barriers to understanding, much less compassion. It's tribalism at its finest. What if some of those stereotypes exist for a reason? Not everybody shooting up in a back alley is just going to roll over and beg you for money to get their next fix. Despite herself, she let the mask drop. And not every black guy is going to take your white ass to the back of the bang us either. Amy scoffed, but something twinkled in her eyes. Okay, so come on. You've been a cop for a while, right? Tell me you've never been in a position to help some crackhead get into detox and clean up his life. Doesn't mean it works that way, though. There aren't many public assistance programs for that kind of thing. She wrinkled her nose again. There's barely enough money to pay for policing, much less anything else. She spread her hands. See? That's not your fault or mine, but we have a retributive justice system that doesn't care about the people it. That's a bit broadly drawn, don't you think? She couldn't push this too far, even if she was able to keep up or particularly cared about laws and justice. Her coin had never been about either. There was little room for it in her world. Maybe, yeah, but I don't think it's wrong to want better for the world. Amy smiled a touch at that and nodded a couple times. Is that what it's like in India? Beats me. I grew up in San Diego. Oh, she said crestfallen. Yeah, I'm afraid if you're looking for something exotic I'm probably not gonna be a dash. Amy raised a hand. Let's. Let's not worry about that for now. Okay. And so the silence rolled in like a toxic fog, sapping the energy from their conversation and anything they might have had before she had decided to be a chicken shit. By the time they finished their tenth frame that spark she'd seen in Amy's eyes had dimmed but she was too polite to be honest. This had been a terrible idea. Both proposing and agreeing to go on a date. It probably wasn't the worst thing either of them had ever done. But even before they turned in their shoes, she knew that they were probably going to part company. It was for the best. She opened her mouth to relay the idea when Amy turned on her and said, Hey, uh, I need to get to work early tomorrow. Maybe we can take a rain check on that trivia? You don't have to bullshit me. I know I don't. She paused, lips pouted as if she was processing something sour. I get the feeling your mind is somewhere else, and I don't want to be responsible for messing that up for you. No, I... I mean it, she said more firmly. Maybe another time, but we'll definitely do the trivia thing. She plumped her cheek, her vacation to normality over. She let go of her mask entirely and shrugged it off. If you want. Amy nodded noncommittally, but before she could wander off she fell and stepped beside her to walk her back to her car. She could at least be polite about it, she decided. Do you like movies? I guess once in a while. There's this movie called In the Mood for Love, where these two are married to others, but often get left alone because of their spouses over time hours. 
They wind up intersecting a lot of times, going to a lot of the same places and eventually they start talking to one another. Why do I get the feeling this ends in an affair? Ooh, you're sharp close. They come to believe that their spouses are having an affair with one another, so they start role-playing what they think their spouses might be doing with one another, but they keep it platonic. They never actually do anything, even as they start developing feelings for one another. When they got to the little SUV Amy popped open the door and turned, crossing her arms on the top of the door and hanging over it to regard she to look down on her just slightly. So what happened to them in the end? She rocked back on her heels. The guy leaves, girl barely misses him when she gives chase. Guy comes back some years later looking to rekindle the old flame only to find out the apartment building's under new management, and the manager doesn't know about anything. He asks after the woman and learns that some single woman and her son are renting the woman's old apartment he leaves. She smiled vaguely. Sharp as ever, Amy refocused on her, that same sparkle in her eye. But it was her, wasn't it? Got it in one. What's that saying to thine own self be true? Something like that. Sounds like they should have gone for it when they had the chance. Yeah. In the mood for love, huh? I am, yeah? Are you? Amy scoffed and blushed furiously. I'm not at liberty, Dash. You're too sober, you mean. That too. Hey, I'll see you at your stand. Sounds good. She lied. Night, Amy. The woman blinked. A brief flicker of confusion crossed her features. You're not the only one who can investigate people. She waggled her brow. Just like that her demeanor changed, she edged into a smile. Maybe she liked that sense of competition and playful combativeness which meant she had completely fucked this up by handling things like a normal person. She shook her head as Amy got back into her car and drove off. Didn't it figure? Try to be normal and find a woman just her style. God damn it. She muttered. Hashtag. An hour later she was camped out at Wegman's supermarket in the deli section munching on the scraps of the make-a-meal buffet that had gone well past its freshness. It was a good substitute for her usual coping mechanism of eating a tub of ice cream and furiously masturbating in a public bathroom usually at the same time. She was trading texts with her computer guy when he sent her a PDF of all the records she'd lifted from Mark's computer. Flipping through them between bites of salt potatoes and beef ribs, she got a better picture of why Janet married him in the first place. His financial picture was rock-solid steady income, minimal expenses, good retirement options. He was doing everything right by modern standards. But the further she went back, the more she noticed the trend that he was in even better straits before 2006. A quick search confirmed what she'd suspected they'd been married in 08. Presumably they'd been dating at least two years before they got married, so either he splurged on her or she demanded it out of him. Another quick search through her paperwork turned up insurance records on the birth of one of the boys in the tail end of 07, just before they were married. She leaned back looking at the record. Janet, you little snake. A cold smile warmed her lips. It was time to pay Mark a visit in person, it seemed. The End This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free erotica podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the erotica podcast on Patreon to support us and allow members to request future stories and themes. Links are in the description. Thank you for listening.